wanted a relationship. I needed that validation from a man. I needed to know that I was okay from a man. I couldn't get it from myself and I wasn't going to God for it. And because the way that my experience was of online dating, it was all hookups. It wasn't that turned into, okay, I'm not getting a relationship out of this. Instead, at least maybe Maybe for 30 minutes, I can feel cherished. Has your life, your dreams been interrupted? Good news. It is possible to reinvent our lives. People are doing it every day, and some are brave enough to share the struggles, disappointments, and challenges. If you are looking for a new beginning, a do-over, or to rediscover your passion, maybe even find a new one, then grab a cup of coffee and let's talk. Interrupted. Act 2. Reinventing Your Legacy. With your host, Coach Lori. Lisa Shelby, she's a new pastor, although she's not doing the official work. She is licensed, and that is so awesome. Number one, you're a woman. Number two, you're beautiful. I remember when I first looked at your Facebook page, I'm like, oh my gosh, she's gorgeous. And <laughs> you, you. you have reinvented yourself later in life. So tell us about your life today, what you love about it, what your hopes and dreams are. I have owned and run a cleaning business for the last 10 years. That has allowed me the freedom of scheduling and finances. As a single woman, I was divorced and raising three daughters, so I needed that flexibility. As they moved out, I went back to school. As of two weeks ago, I graduated with my bachelor's degree from Northwest University in ministry. Probably about four months ago, I received my licensed pastor through the Assembly of God Northwest Ministries. It's a very exciting space to be in, but I don't know what two months from now is going to look like. I am wrapping up last quarter of schooling. Then I'm going to step out into putting myself out there for churches. My prayer, my goal is I would love to be a singles pastor somewhere. But right now I am living my best life with all three of my daughters on their own, different states. (laughs) Unfortunately, that's difficult, but it has been a beautiful journey to see them take off. And then now it's been my turn to, to take off. And through school and different programs, I've been a big part of a recovery program called Celebrate Recovery for the last seven years. That has really helped me begin this journey, to be quite honest. I would not speak in public. I was terrified I had no self-worth. I finally was able to take control of my life. I was in a marriage that had some domestic abuse. When I was able to finally take control of my life, learn who I am, who did God make me to be? What is my purpose here? When I finally learned who I was, and that's a process. Okay, then how do I go about exercising that and putting that to my best ability? And there was always in the back of my mind, you're in your late 40s. What do you think you're doing? You're in your early 50s now. What do you think you're doing? Now you're in your mid 50s. What do you think you're doing? You're single and you've been single for 10 years. That may very well not change. All of these little things in the back of my head going, you can't do that. You shouldn't do that. But there was something stronger in me that literally propelled me forward. When I found out who I was, the broad scope of what I'm supposed to do with my life was put in front of me. That's when I knew 
how to just keep stepping forward. I didn't know what it looked like two years from now, five years from now, 10 years from now, but I just kept stepping forward into, okay, this space feels right. This space feels right. And I finally started gathering a community around me that built me up, that saw me for who I am and would be able to speak into my life and say, I see something wrong here. What's going on in your life? You're not the same bubbly, energizing what's been going on the last few months. Or they would say, do you not see what you have an anointing when you spoke and you gave this sermon? There was an anointing that all of these things that you don't necessarily see yourself. For me to go back to school was tough on a lot of different levels. But the main level was I was raised in an abusive home and I was told that college would be a waste of money on me. I believe that. So for years, I didn't even entertain the thought of furthering my education. When I went into a community college to take a test, they said, aside from math, you score at a honors level. You can take honors classes. And I just sat there stunned. This person couldn't be lying to me because why would they? They don't even know me. And it made me realize just how many years I had allowed that one person's speaking into my life. I was frustrated and I was angry and not so much even angry at that other person, but I was angry at myself for realizing how many years I had allowed a lie to lead me in the wrong direction. In the spring semester of 2024, I am going back to school to get my master's degree in theology. I want you to take us back to where you came from, because it looks like Lisa, you reinvented yourself several times. That is a bit of a theme I'm hearing. When I look at people who are suddenly recognizing, oh my goodness, I'm in my 50s and I'm not going to live on social security. I know that I'm going to be forced to retire. I don't know what to do. The fact that we can reinvent ourselves over and over, like you created the cleaning business because it worked for raising your kids, but mm -hmm. then you had this next. I was raised in Cedar Woolley. My dad raised me by himself until I was three years old. My parents divorced when I was about six months old and I was awarded custody to my father in 1968, 69. That was very unusual. I'm going to save us time and not go into the why, but I think that speaks quite a bit as to what my biological mother was like if a 24-year-old man was given full custody of a six-month-old. He raised me on his own for the first three years, then remarried to give me a mom, and she had an older daughter. Unfortunately, this woman was very angry and abusive. Six years down the road, I was two weeks from turning 10 years old, and my father committed suicide. The year that followed was very traumatic. I don't have a lot of memories of it just because of the trauma, but that was definitely a huge trajectory in my life because I lost my only true parent. The abuse escalated. By the time I was a senior in high school, I had raging eating disorder. I was full on sleeping as often as possible because of the severe depression that I was in. Barely graduating from high school because I would sleep instead of doing homework. I was 
definitely suicidal. I had written several suicide notes and had planned to carry that out. I moved out middle of my senior year, got a hold of my biological mother, flew to St. Louis, met her, had to be the one to tell her that my dad died 10 years ago. Through her own not communicating with me or him, there was a lot of guilt that she felt on her part. I moved to St. Louis. We had a relationship. It's very difficult to start a relationship when you're 19, but we had a relationship, met my husband there, got married. We had three girls. I homeschooled my three daughters for 15 years. My two oldest never did attend school until they walked into university. They both have done fabulously. I divorced after 22 years. There was domestic abuse, which is pretty normal. I understand when you come from a background of mine, that happens. After the divorce, I realized I needed a job that gave me flexibility to continue to homeschool my girls as much as I could, also to make the most money that I possibly could. Without a college education, I went to what I knew, and that was keeping house. It was truly a blessing. Honestly, I think at some point I will write a book that everything I learned about being a pastor, I learned by keeping house for others. There's just a lot of lessons that God has shown me over the last 10 years in doing that. At what point did you get involved with Celebrate Recovery? About two years after my divorce, I decided that my youngest daughter, who was just getting ready to start high school, she and I needed a new beginning. We moved. It was back to Washington for me. Bless her heart. She'd been here maybe twice in her entire life. But she came along for the adventure with me. We moved out here eight years ago to Mukilteo. When I divorced, I had had no thought I would date again. I didn't think anybody would be interested in me. Nobody would want me. The way that I saw myself, I assumed that's how others viewed me. I had nothing to offer anyone. But then I started the world of online dating. What began as me wanting almost like a love and relationship addiction. I wanted a relationship. I needed that validation from a man. I needed that affirmation from a man. I needed to know that I was okay from a man. I couldn't get it from myself and I wasn't going to God for it because the way that my experience was of online dating, it was all hookups. Coach Lori here. I am not anti-aging. I am all about aging gracefully. Did you know we stopped making collagen at a certain age? And did you know powdered collagen has to go through your whole digestive system? So I am a big fan of Glow Liquid Collagen. It helps me age gracefully, inside and out. To order, check the link below. By the way, if you order two at the same time, free shipping. Or if you would like to be an affiliate, make a little extra cash, click the affiliate link. My experience was of online dating, it was all hookups. It wasn't many who were seeking a relationship. So very quickly that turned into, okay, I'm not getting a relationship out of this. Instead, at least maybe, maybe for 30 minutes, I can feel cherished. Maybe for 30 minutes, I can feel treasured. I may never see this person again, but maybe I can feel wanted. And that became a sexual addiction. I just completely removed the emotion out of it. I completely removed my walk with God out of it to get that need met, that hole in my heart met. It was after about a year of that 
that I was sitting in church one Sunday, I was very much convicted that I needed to go check out Celebrate Recovery. I did. I began attending and working through that. I have five years now of sexual integrity. I'm very, very grateful for that. And then my second issue was food issues because as I said, I'd had an eating disorder back in the day, had bulimia, had gone through an outpatient program. I stopped purging, but I hadn't stopped binging. That is an ongoing process. That is why I'm still attending Celebrate Recovery because I am working through the fact that when my dad died, I was too young to turn to drugs, to alcohol, and to sex. So I turned to food. And so that's very deeply ingrained in me. That is still something that God and I are are working through is my food addiction, my food issues. When I came into Celebrate Recovery and started processing through and, and growing, the ministry lead there saw something in me. He was the first person that saw what I feel he saw potential. And he gave me the opportunity to stand up in front of people very slowly and in safe environments to speak. And very slowly, he gave me more and more leeway. And he said, I see you're gifted with writing and you're gifted to be able to stand up there and and speak. And so he gave me more and more opportunities to do that. And that is what has led me into wanting to be in ministry. Those years of slowly giving me experience in a safe environment. Thank you for your honesty. And from what I see, this is a very lonely journey because many women struggle with it and they don't know where to turn. They don't know who to talk to. And they feel so alone, not only with the eating disorder, but Mm -hmm. also with the sexual addiction. I think in this instant, there are more programs available to men than to women. In our other podcast, we have had women come out and say that they've had a sexual addiction and yet they didn't know where to go to get the help. What would you say to someone that's all of a sudden thinking, oh my goodness, I don't have to carry this burden. In Celebrate Recovery, I found a space where I was not the only one with sexual integrity issues. Unfortunately, women are not as vocal about that as men are, or maybe the shame keeps us quieter. I'm I'm not sure. This is something that I've done a lot of research on. and, And actually, I am presenting a discipleship program I am writing for women who have sexual addiction issues because I've mentored many women who struggle with this. It may look like pornography. It may look like hooking up. It looks different, I think, for every woman. Our reasons of why we're doing it are different than men. So for us to go to the books that have been written for men, because that's what I did. I am a reader. I will go and I will read. If I'm not in school, I am reading an average of about three books a week because how I learned. But there is nothing for us. What I suggest for other women is to go into a Celebrate Recovery program where you can talk to women who have struggled with it and find out from them. Because I have gone all over Snohomish counties and Skagit County and shared my story with hundreds of people now over the last five, six years, as I share my testimony through different recovery groups, 
every single time I have women come up and say, thank you. I thought I was the only one. And I've been too embarrassed, too shameful, too scared too put your own word in there to tell anybody about it. There's a lot of women in recovery who their first issue may be drugs, alcohol, but on the inside, there's a side addiction. Many of them haven't even spoken out loud to themselves, let alone to someone else yet. But that sexual integrity thing is inside. Go into a celibate recovery and be willing to be the first person to say it out loud. It's a safe space. You're not going to be looked at and shamed, but it's only by speaking out about it is where you're going to find the help, the direction that is going to lead you to finding healing in that space. If we keep being quiet about it, it's just going to continue to get worse. At this point, the most recent research that I've read is 87% of women have viewed pornography. 87%. That's huge. Now, I'm not saying 87 are addicted. I'm just saying viewed it. And we all know how addiction comes about. It's by viewing and then viewing again. And then the church is just starting to address the 77% of Christian men who are addicted to pornography. They haven't come anywhere close to starting to talk about the women who are struggling. There's another level of shame over that because we as women, we're not supposed to be in touch with our sensuality, our sexuality. For whatever reason, that and the Bible are not cohesive in our understanding. That's not truth, but in our understanding. So a lot of Christian women feel a lot of shame. And a lot of women, even outside of the Christian realm, feel shame because that's something that is not addressed and not talked about. And we're not supposed to feel that. Often the first thing you think of is not to go to church, with, which is very sad. Celebrate Recovery is typically in churches, but it is not exactly of that church. There's thousands of them just within Snohomish County. There's a Celebrate Recovery that you can go to every night of the week except for Saturday. That's in Washington State. It's around the world. It is held at a church because it is a biblically-based 12-step program. But the people that attend there are not just the people that go to that specific church. They come from all different churches, all different walks of life. A lot of people find they feel more comfortable initially to attend a celebrate recovery that's not at their church. And that is totally okay. One thing we find in our No Longer Ashamed podcast, when people will share their story and we we will say if someone's ready to tell their story, because what it happens is there's such fear. But on the other side of that fear of finally telling someone that is safe, then there is freedom. What I experienced early on in my recovery from childhood sexual abuse is pastors could not handle it. I even had a pastor say, never tell anybody. Oh, wow. I rarely recommend people to go to their pastor because most pastors are not trauma trained. 
when I think of sending someone to a celebrate recovery that understands that, but also recognizing that often addiction comes from childhood trauma. One thing that you said that really stuck out to me, because I feel like in recovery, this is even before purpose, what's important is identity. And you talked about finding your identity and we know it's not an overnight thing. So can you talk a little bit about the process? That's an excellent question. I am a reader and that's how I process through things. I found mentors. Interestingly enough, God placed male mentors in my life. I have yet to have a female mentor. Beth Moore has been my long distance mentor since my early 30s, reading her books and doing her Bible studies. After that, I had male mentors who spoke into my life because I needed to hear from a male the things that they saw in me. I had been without a father. I had that abandonment issue. I had a very poor marriage for 22 years. I did not have a good self-identity because remember, I had been trying to find that identity in the dates I was going on. I found male mentors, male pastoral counselors to be a huge help in helping me find out my identity. And all of them pointed me to God. I feel like I trusted men more than I trusted women because of my experience with my abusive stepmom and my experience with my biological mom. And from that, I was able to develop friendships with men that did not end up in bed. I had not experienced that. It's sad and it's kind of scary because I know I'm not the only one. I can see how they say that it's important for daughters to have a good relationship with their dads and and vice versa. That was an important part coming to the point where I could believe what other people said about me that were positive things. That was huge. For me to be able to believe those things was huge. And that's my next point is you said you had believed these lies, number one, that you were never smart enough to go to school. And number two, obviously you were believing lies about yourself. I don't know if you've heard of Dr. Caroline Leaf. Oh, yes. Your mind can change your brain. So if you could talk about what that transformation was for you to get to not believe the lies in your head. If you remember, my first belief was that I had nothing to offer a man. So I wasn't even going to be interested in dating. I didn't feel like anybody would look twice at me. I've always been very self-conscious about my weight, my intelligence, the fact that I cleaned houses for a living. Those stories in my mind began to change. And it wasn't until people started saying, when I first met you, I didn't even notice your weight. I noticed you're very statuesque. Everybody refers to statuesque. It's probably because I'm almost six feet tall. Or they would refer to you're smiling all the time or you're very outgoing. They brought out things that I was like, I didn't really realize that people saw me like that. So as I shared, the woman at the community college had no need to lie to me, told me basically that I was smart. If I'm able to jump right into honors classes, then I wasn't the person that I thought I had been. There was an afternoon that I was talking to my oldest daughter, and this was probably five years after she graduated from high school from my homeschooling, and she'd been in college for five years. And 
I was sharing with her my aha moment that I'm not stupid. And she just broke down crying. She said, mom, I had no idea that that's how you viewed yourself. How do you think you could have taught all three of us homeschooling? And she said, all three of us had different learning disabilities. We had different strengths, yet you went and you learned and you stayed up at night reading to learn how to address this learning disability and how could you not know your intelligence? It brought her to tears. And for me to hear that from her and to know that she knew it before I knew it was also just kind of a pivotal moment of realizing I have a lot of friends, but who I allow to speak into my life, I have to be discerning, but I also have to believe what they're saying. There comes a point where you have to sometimes trust what somebody else is saying over what you're feeling because your feelings and your emotions go back from trauma decades before. And that's what started to rewire my brain. I allowed the woman in Kohl's who saw me trying on a pair of brightly colored heels with some jeans who said, you are so lucky you have such long legs that you could pull off those heels with your jeans. And I just looked at her and went, I had no idea. I've been wearing flats for years because I'm five foot 10. So now I wear heels all the time because some stranger in Kohl's pointed that out. She saw something that I couldn't. I really had to start realizing the messages that I've been telling myself have been keeping me back. Quite honestly, the only thing that had been keeping me back was me. That is so beautiful. Often I ask my clients to ask five friends, give me three words. They come up when you think of me. And often they are so blown away because they have this inner self-talk, but once they recognize it, then we can begin to write those stories, those false stories down, and we can turn them into a mantra of good yes. that helps to actually change the pathways in our brain. Yes. And that's what I am working on right now. I've spent so many years trying to find the right diet, the right exercise, the right combination of the two, all of that, that right now. I'm really trying to work on my headspace before anything else. It's hard work. I've been able to overcome so many things in my life, but the weight thing is the root. That's that seven, eight, nine-year-old girl feeling safe still. That's that heart work, that inner work, that inner child work that I have to continue to do. And quite honestly, I would much rather write a 15-page exegesis on Corinthians 13, 12 than do that hard work. <laughs> For me, that's much easier. But to see where I have come by doing that work gives me that confidence from past experience to be able to go, okay, I know that this works, so it's going to be okay to go a little bit deeper to deal with the weight thing. So right now, I am working on loving myself exactly who I am. I have never loved myself as far as who I am with my weight. That is something that I've always just berated myself, but I 
have to believe that there is more to me than the number on the tag in my jeans. I know that there is more to me. The things that people say to me, my clients, I found favor with many of my clients. People trust me. It is difficult to rewire the brain. I feel particularly when there's been a parent that speaks into something or speaks over something and has said things negative. Sometimes it only takes just that parent one time of saying it. And sometimes, unfortunately, the parent says it many times over years in many different ways. And so it's really ingrained. There's that part of me that says, why can't I get past what that person said about me? I was ridiculed horribly by my stepmom about my weight. And unfortunately, I still am. I've had to put up boundaries and tell her I will not meet her one-on-one for lunch because she says things very, very mean things about my weight still currently. While those childhood things I'm still battling, I have learned now as an adult to put up the boundaries. You may have been able to say those things to me as a child and been allowed to say those but no more. What I hear is you ask yourself, why can't I? I hear this all the time. And I say, ask a different question. Because what I see is it's not why can't I? It's look what what I'm doing. doing. Because you've set some really strong boundaries. I love what you are bringing to the table is that it is a continual process. We don't reinvent. We're good. Let's go. We reinvent. We continue to do the work. We don't have to do the work, but we choose and you keep choosing to do the work. There has been a desire in me since my early 20s to write a book. I've just known that I'm going to write. Seven years ago, I was in a class and they taught us how to write a sermon. This is way before I even decided to be a pastor. I wrote my sermon and a lot of it involved my testimony. And I stood up in front of my class and three pastors shared it. The head pastor who'd been a pastor 26 years at that point said, Lisa, I don't know what you do for a living, but you need to be writing because I would have been the first one up here at the altar if you would have made an altar call after what you just said. And that spoke huge to me on one of my finals. We had to rewrite the parable of the Good Samaritan in 2023 version. I thoroughly enjoyed it. It was my favorite part. and It took all of about 10 minutes for me, but I got the paper back. The professor had written on there In all of my years of teaching this class, I have never seen somebody redo this in such a creative way that you not only brought the readers into it, but I could tell you were standing right there. You brought yourself into it. And he said, I definitely see books in your future. And if nothing else, would you please write devotion? I always say, we say, yes, the house shows up. Your story is the answer to I'm sure more than one person's prayer. And as you said yourself, I'm heading to Sumas for a four-day summative retreat for pastoral women. And we had to come up with a brand new ministry and we are presenting it to the whole group. My brand new ministry is a discipleship program for women with sexual integrity issues, because I feel like saying sexual addiction 
it will hold some women back going, oh, I don't, I'm not addicted. Let's take care of that before it becomes addiction. I know that there were spaces where if I'd have sought help before it became an addiction, it would have never become an addiction. I want to phrase it as a sexual integrity because there is the pornography and there is the facets of all of it. You have represented to us someone willing to share something so hard, compassion and understanding, especially when you say discipleship. I think of Christian women that are doing ministry. They have this struggle and they feel like they can't tell anyone or they will lose everything. And rather than lose everything, why not call Lisa, make an appointment and get the help and support? Absolutely. What's the best way to reach you? Via Facebook, Lisa Shelby. Shoot me a message on Messenger via Facebook. I know what it's like to be in those spaces. I know what it's like to justify it because you're lonely. But I also know what it's like when you get to a point that you look at yourself in the mirror and you go, who is this? This is not the person that God created. This is not me. This is not what I'm supposed to be doing with my life, with my body. It's never too late to turn it around. That's so beautiful. So before we go, I always ask, what are you reading or what do you recommend or both? Okay. Well, right now I'm reading Compassion by Henry Nguyen, N-O-U-W-E-N. My favorite book right now that just touched my soul is The Art of Pastoring. I have been so blessed by your story and thank you for being so honest. Have you heard, if not now, when? If not you, then who? Are you being prompted to write a book, to create a podcast? Check out Leaving a Legacy at www.coachlaurie, that's coach, L-A-U-R-I-E, dot com. And let's get started on your second act now. Three things we learned from Lisa. Rather than calling it sexual addiction, maybe it's sexual integrity, which gives it a whole different way of not only looking at the situation, but maybe getting support and help. When we have no self-worth, we don't even believe we're worth loving, and we don't even know that that's the issue. So taking the time to read, to ask for help, to find mentors so that we can begin to change the narrative of our own self-talk. And some people reinvent themselves not once but maybe two or three times and the next always seems to be better than whatever was before if you love this podcast here's a big ask will you share with your friends and family subscribe give us a review and a five-star rating so that others looking to reinvent their lives will be able to get the help they're looking for thank you in advance